Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Nun Beis and Maseches Nedarim. Basar v'chalav, Andrew. It's uh, it's quite a thing. If you're learning Basar v'chalav, if you're learning Tyrovis, this is one of the main sources over here in the Darm. In fact, as we know, Nedar Mitten Ran, we're going to be hitting a Ran that... Did I mention yesterday I spoke to Shalom Rosner? Yes. Uh, so... Uh, so Rabbi Shalom Rosner Shlita, the great Dafyomi master, you know, he used to be Chavrusov, was a Bari Libowitz, a great Dafyomi master. They learned all this together. And they kept, I mean, this is really, uh, not everybody would do this. Uh, apparently Rabbi Rosner kept a list of the key Rons, like the top five. And so we're going to hit on it today a little bit. You'll see. As we turn the, when we turn the page, it's going to hit you in the face. You'll see. Okay, so. Let's start slow. Hanoider min hachalav muter bakum. The kum I said yesterday was like, I was, I was telling a story about Rabbi Mordechai Willig, Shlita, so I, I was describing the kum. And really what I was really describing was the fat, homogenized versus non-homogenized. That's not really what whey is. Whey is when you're milking a cow, you have sort of like the cow, the milk water that comes with it. It doesn't matter. Although it, it's interesting to question whether that is um, well, milk. That's a whole other topic. That's what I'm saying. If you're listening to Ari Leibowitz Shlita, or put it this way, if you're listening to this right now, turn it off and listen to Ari Leibowitz and to Shalom Rosner. Uh, those are those are guys that know um, all of Basar Rechalov Kol. They know all of Torah Kula Kol. It seems, and they can regale you with all of the halachic implications of uh, way. After all. Milk is milchig, as you know, Andrew. Um, but it comes out of a flesh cow. So how does that work? What would be the status of the whey? See what I mean? We have a special gazeras akasov that milk is milchig, so to speak. But what? But but that's only the milk. You know, the the if you eat the udder, for example, that wouldn't be milchig. So where does the whey fall in? So if you want to get involved with those questions, uh, you can. I mean, it doesn't matter with respect to this question. What's que- the question here is you kind of you made a nether not to have milk, and so milk is the milk, and the way is the milk water, and that's okay. You can drink that if you were in fact allowed to drink that. I guess that's the point that they were trying to make in this urim. That it's a question of whether you can drink it. But if you were um, allowed to drink it, the nether uh, about not drinking milk would not right would not count the way because obviously the milk is the part that you typically drink and the way is not and therefore you must have meant that you're only having that not to drink milk that's what the Tanakama says however Rabbi Yossi Oser Rabbi Yossi says now don't drink the way because the way is like milk water and when you said milk maybe you did include the milk water however if it was the reverse min hakum if you are making a netter not to drink whey then mutter b'chalav then you're allowed to drink milk which stands to reason, would that, would that be, would Rabbi Yossi agree with that? It would seem from the Mishnah that everybody would agree with that, but uh, Ran quotes a Brisa that indicates that maybe Rabbi Yossi would argue with this as well. But if, but, but the uh, logic would be as follows. Let's say if he did agree with that, the logic would be as follows. That when you say milk, you mean milk and all milk derivatives when you're making a nether, right? The whole question as we've been doing throughout Nadarim is, what does this individual mean when he makes these Nadarim? So if you're making a nether on milk, you mean milk and all milk derivatives. But if you're making a nether specifically on whey, so 
now you're splitting the atom, right? Now you're making a specific statement that is specific to whey. And obviously, if you wanted to say milk and milk derivatives, you would have said milk. The fact that you said whey means that you mean specifically whey, and therefore you should be able to drink the milk. So if I was Rebiosi, I would actually agree with that. Uh, that, sound, that seems logical to me. Anyway, Abashaul Omer, Hanodemir Nagvina, Osir Babe Malucha Utefela. Yeah, if, you're, say, if you swear off cheese, then you're not allowed to have any cheese, whether it's salted or unsalted. What's the Chiddush? Like, who cares about salted or unsalted? You said cheese. Well, the fact of the matter is, as the Ron explains, most of the cheeses are salted. That was kind of so common that that would almost definitionally be cheese where the, uh, maybe you would call unsalted cheese, you maybe say, well, that's not really cheese. That's like congealed cream or whatever you would say. But the answer is no, that's also called cheese. However you define cheese, uh, the salted, even though it is a big part of it, even if the non-salted cheese would be also to you if you swore off cheese, fine. Okay, now let's, so basar v'chalav, as we say, or chalav v'basar, hanoider min ha-basar, right? A person made nether, he's not allowed to, he's not allowed to have any basar. As we arrive in Bezim Adalaf and we get smacked in the face by this giant ron, but not a lot of gemara, so there's that. Mutter berotev uve kippah. So you said you, you're not going to have the meat. So you're allowed to have the gravy, and the kippah is the meat shreds at the bottom of the, of the pot. Okay. Why should you be able to have the meat shreds at the bottom of the pot? So, again, this is what you indicated when you said that you weren't going to have meat. As the Mepharshim explained, you're going to be, you're referring to, again, and it's all a question of what did you mean, you meant an intact giant piece of meat, like a real intact shtick, shtick flesh, right? You didn't, you didn't really mean shards or gravy or anything like that. You said, I'm just not going to have uh, the meat. This is like, uh, as, again, Rabari Leibowitz, the great Dafiyami Master, would point out, there are certain contexts where we can't have meat because of Basar V'chalav, there's other contexts where you don't want to have meat because of, let's say, it's the nine days, right? So I ask you this, Andrew. Nine days is the iser to taste meat. Let's say you're a chef in a restaurant, right? That's a fleshic restaurant. And people are making siyumim there all day long. And you're the chef. So you're a firm chef. Are you allowed to taste the meat during the nine days? Or it's a question of eating meat. See what I mean? There's it's, it's different contexts. So we have a... Right, a context of Nadarim, a context of nine days, or a context of Basar V'chalav. In all of these cases, as we will see, right, uh, tasting is different than having a real shtick of a real piece of meat versus having shreds of meat versus, right, the different violations that you would have uh, would depend on the context there. Be that as it may, in the context of Nadarim, we say that meat means a piece of meat, but not the shreds or the gravy. Rabbi Huda. And some say Rabbi Yossi, right? Because I think it's the Ran here is going to say that it has to be Rabbi Yossi. There's a. Is it the Hagos? Uh, it makes more sense that Rabbi Yossi because that's what it was in the first place. Over here. Rabbi Yehuda or Rabbi Yossi Oser. Okay. So Rabbi Yossi says that it's Oser, which is to say, when you said that you're, that you're not going to eat meat. Again, he's more inclusive. He means meat and, so to speak, meat derivatives, like the, the gravy and the shards. Okay. So now, the, the Mishnah is going to quote this 
sheet of Rabbi Yossi as follows: a proof, and that's why, right? We're going. That's why we change it from Rabbi Yehuda to Rabbi Yossi because now Rabbi Yehuda is giving a proof to Rabbi Yossi. Uh, alternatively, Rabbi Yehuda could be giving a proof to himself, but the point is, why would the meat derivatives be usher as follows? Amar Rabbi Yehuda says the Mishnah, "Ma'isev usher aleinu Rabbi Tarfon bebeitzim shenish bashlu imo." Rabbi Tarfon, the great Rabbi Tarfon, the Tana was Iser, the eggs that were cooked with the meat. Okay, in other words, why did he usher it? Because the person made a nether forbidding the meat, and the person was Sfaradi. And so they had eggs in their cholent. And he did not allow a person who made, who swore off the meat to even eat the eggs. Why would the eggs be usher? What's wrong with the eggs? They're not meat. Well, Rabbi Huda is pointing out that Rabbi Tarfon is talking, is saying, not only is the actual shtickle meat usher, but even the derivatives of the meat. And yeah, right. In other words, this is something familiar to you, Andrew, because you're saying if a person, if, if, somebody, if somebody ate only the egg from the chamin, which is what the, the Sephardim would call the cholent, right? Would you say that they're fleshics? So, yes, this has applications for basar v'chalav. And like I said, the, that may or may not apply. So, for example, would you be able to eat that egg in theory um, on Motzei Shabbat, right, on Shabbos, during the nine days, we eat meat, right? Because it's Basar Ve'yayin and it's Simcha. But Motzei Shabbos, right, you're no longer eating meat. Can you eat the egg from the cholent? Is that, that's an interesting question. So with regards to nine days, there would be one halacha. With regards to Basar Ve'chalav, can you eat, can you put it in your cereal? I don't think so, right? And with regards to, uh, and so with regards to the neder, so which is it like? And so the nether always goes based on what you meant. So what does the not eating the meat mean when you make that nether? Um, is it more like buzzer v'chalav? Is it more like nine days, right? So it's just a question of what you meant, and that would be the machlokas. But in the context of the machlokas, along the way, we're learning something fascinating. Why would the egg be usher altogether? It's not meat. Why should it be meat with respect to buzzer v'chalav either? Oh, so this is where we hit a giant tahoim, uh, as Rabbi Sefer Shlita would, would describe it, and you get into the idea of tam. You start to see, and we'll see it even more explicitly, this idea of, well, the absorption of taste can count uh, particles as if it's particles of that thing, right? As if it's actual meat. If it has been soaking in the cholent and absorbed the taste of the meat, do you treat it with regards to Basar V'chalav and thus with regards to Nadarm as well as meat itself? And this is what Rabbi Huda is saying. The Rabbi Tarpon treated the eggs that were in the chunk like meat itself. So obviously the taste, the tam, uh, has some uh, mamushas, as we would say, right? Um, it's actually considered something significant in here. And as we, so now we say, okay, wait a minute. Amru lo. Kenadavar? E Masai. So, Again, Rabbi Yehuda brought this case of the eggs becoming fleshic to prove this idea that even the meat derivatives are treated as meat. However, the, the Rabbanon would go back and say, wait a minute, you have to understand that case in context. 
In other words, just because he wouldn't, let, he would treat the eggs of the cholent as meat, doesn't mean that that's what the guy meant when he made the nether. What was the case when Rabbi Yehuda treated that Rabbi Tarfon treated those eggs as meat? As follows: Emasai. When did he do so? Bisman sheyomar basar ze alai. Right. So keeping it in the context of nedarim, there's different types of ways to make this nether. You could say hanoder min habasar, like I swear off meat in general. And that probably means, what you probably meant when you made that nether was an actual piece of steak, right? An actual piece of meat. However, in the case where you couldn't eat the eggs, that was a different nether. What was the nether in that context? The person said, right? More of like a chafzagavar thing where you didn't just say, I'm, not, I'm swearing off fleshigs in general, but you said, I'm not going to have any part of this piece of meat. Oh. Well, once you said it in that formulation, I'm not going to have any part of this piece of meat that I see in the shunt. So it implies that what you mean is that anything that oozes out of this meat and goes into anything else is also going to be usher. So that was a different case, and therefore it does not reflect onto the lacha of what a person says uh, means when they swear off meat altogether, right? As the Mishnah continues to explain, shahanoider min hadaver venis arev be'acher. A person who's who's making another on a specific thing, When you know they're on a specific thing, then everything that oozes and derives out of that thing, it is understood that that's the implication that it's going to be usher. Wow. Uh, so this is where the Ron blows up. And it's one of the top five Rans of the Salma Sechta. And again, if you're learning Tarovis and Basar Chalov, this idea of Yeshbub Nosan Tam, Nisar Ba'acher, wow, Tarovis and Nosan Tam, Basar V'chalav, it's, it's, it's just Ghanadin for you, if this is what you're learning. And this becomes a very classical Ron. And what makes it classic is a svara that then is applied to the entire study of Tarovas and Basar V'chalav. I will not do justice to it, but I will outline it as follows. What's the implication? The implication is, so I'll, I'll try to walk you through the Ron stepwise. The, again, the idea here is a person swore off a specific piece of meat and it says now it's in the cholent and now it says if it imparts a taste, it's going to be Aser. Okay. Says the Ron, well, Let's follow this through. What's the implication? If it doesn't impart a taste, somehow it's not going to impart a taste, it would be mutter. Asks the Ran, why would it be mutter if it doesn't impart a taste? Why does it need to impart a taste? After all, there is a concept that we already learned in Masechus Besa called a davar shiyesh matirin. Davar shiyesh matirin means that if something is only temporary, right? A beitzah shenol to be yantiv. So it was born on, on Yantiv, and when it comes Chol afterwards on Tuesday, and right, like, right, Yantiv is Sunday, and then you're going to uh, say that it's a no lud problem, and maybe you can't eat it on Yantiv. Fine. But you certainly could eat it the next day when it's no longer Yantiv. You don't have a problem with that. So the question is that's called the Dover Shiyesh Lomatirin, as we learned in Masechet Beitza. That means that it's going to become Mutter at some point. So similarly, says the Ran, when a person makes a nether, they can't have something, there is a mitzvah 
to get out of the nether. That much we know. And that should make the item a davashiyeshla matirin, which is to say, even if you didn't get yourself out of it, it is susceptible to heter nadarm, which is to say, it's not an inherently usher thing. It's something that you can get out of. In other words, you made a nether that you can't have this piece of meat. You can get out of that nether. You should get out of that nether. You're supposed to go to Rabbi Rose and say, please get me out of this nether. I didn't mean it. I want to have a steak. Okay. So that makes this a Dabashiyashul Matir. And if it's a Dabashiyashul Matir, and then even irrespective of no Sentam, it should be, uh, it should be Usr, because a Dabashiyashul Matir makes everything Usr. So then the, uh, Ron ends up saying that the case must be that it's, Min She'eno Bimino. And he makes a distinction between Min Bimino and Min Bisha'eno Mino. Which is to say, when you have two of what we'll call the same min, however that's defined, two of the same species, let's say, that's not really a, really considered a mixture, but it is a mixture. So, for example, min bimino would be, right, that everything, a chicken soup, right? So you pour trafe chicken soup into kosher chicken soup. That's called min bimino. So typically, when it comes to ta'am, and now we're kind of al regal achas, going through all of these ilchas tarovas. So typically when it comes to taste, right, if you poured milk into fleshic chicken soup, that's called min bisha'eno mino. Those are two different min. And there's a standard of like one sixtieth where we say that becomes bato, that that would be nullified, which is to say the, ta- the milk would be nullified in the chicken soup because it's assumed if it's diluted by more than one sixtieth that it no longer is imparting taste. That's a sort of like standardized assumption as to what Nosen Tam would be. And therefore, the chicken soup could still be kosher because of the idea of bittel, that if it is less than the requisite amount, it's going to be bottel. That's min bisha'eno mino. Okay, min bimino would be where you have a treif chicken soup inside the kosher chicken soup. Now, what happens in that case, in min bimino, we are more machmir, we're more stringent, such as to say that there, even if it wasn't, right, so to speak, no tam, it would still be treif. In other words, I could ask you, would that be, what's more treif, milk and chicken soup or treif chicken soup in chicken soup? The answer is treif chicken soup in chicken soup is less uh, mutter, it's worse. <laughs> it is worse. Why is it worse? And so this is the fundamental idea of the Ran. And he explains why it's worse, and then you could use that in the rest of Tarovas and Basar Chalov. And the reason is, as this Ran says, that in order to have bitl, in order to nullify something, Asr, you need to have two conflicting things, right? How does nullification work? When the two things are in conflict with each other, so then one is going to overpower the other, okay? Whereas if the two things are in concert with each other, such as when you have two things of soup. So when you have treif soup in the kosher soup, in theory, every part of the treif soup is just enhancing the kosher soup. There's no way that it's nullifying because min bimino, it's all the same. So when it's all the same, it's like power in numbers. Every little bit that you add is only making it better, is only adding to it. So there is no bitl that's going on. Whereas if it's a different taste, it's a milchic taste, it's a different thing, so you're trying to overpower it. So this overpowering thing, this bittel issue, 
is only b'min b'she'eno mino, right? And therefore, it would be in that case where you can have the bittel. And so there you'd have the issue of nosentam versus not nosentam. But by min bamino, it would be also in any event because there it's actually just enhancing and so everything is just making it worse and that's how it becomes usher. So we just, on al regal achas, got through the most, fam- potentially the most, it's like a, it's like a Mount Rushmore bronze in this, in this, uh, in this Masechta and that is, this is where that is found. Okay, so we went through the, the, the chalav, we went through the basar, now let's get to the yain. Hanoidim in a yain, says the Mishnah. Mutar betav shel sheyesh tam yain. So again, you, you swore off wine, but you can have, you know, the wine-infused um, flounder almondine, okay, because you didn't swear that up. However, amar konam yain she'ani to'em, right, if you say, I'm making another, I can't have, I can't taste this wine, Vinafal of Tafshil, and it happens to be wine infused uh, flounder almondine, then and that stands to reason, as we've discussed, right? If there's enough wine there to give flavor to that particular fish, then it is going to be Usr. And then again, we get into the questions of nine days. You're having fish in the nine days, but you're not having wine. How much infused can you have in order for it to be considered an issue? Is that an issue of tam or is it an issue of actual achila? And uh, I think most of Paskin, it's actually an issue of achila, and therefore maybe if it had a tam, it wouldn't be as bad, although we're makpit, I'm sure, in those cases as well. Fine. So now we turn to Nunbez and Nunbez, and the Gemara says as follows. Now, we had just said that according to Yossi, right, uh, it's usher, once you swore off milk, it's usher to have the milk derivatives. However, or minhu, says the Gemara, minha adashim, uh, there's a Mishnah that, um, that says, it's going to be soon, like tomorrow, um, where a person says, minha adashim, usher ba'ashishim. Uh, if you swore off lentils, you can't have those delicious honey fried lentils. You can't have them in any form. Rabbiosi matir, and then Rabbiosi permitted it. So that's weird, right? So you say, wait, why is that weird? The Gemara says, why is that weird? Lokasha. No, why is it weird? Because Rabbiosi seems to, when you asser milk you're, um, on yourself with through a net there, you're assering the milk derivatives, and here you're assering lentils, and you can have the fried ones. So what's Rabbiosi getting at? This is Lokasha. Mar kiasre, umar kiasre. Andrew, we already said this. Everything that we say in the Dharm is, is, Considered in the context of the place, yeah. So one reflects is you know how the custom of one place, and one reflects the custom of the other. In other words, what do people mean when they say things? That's all. That's always going to be the answers. Be'asra the rabbanon, where the rabbanon lived, karu lechalva lakoma koma. They used to call milk milk, and they didn't mean the milk derivatives in the way. They just meant milk. If they meant way, they would say way. And where Rabbi lived, they would also call the whey milk or wilk may. Whey milk. The point is, it all, this is not a fundamental machlokas, Andrew, about is whey part of milk and all of this. It's just a machlokas about what was the Lashem B'nai Adam? What was the customary way of describing these things in their separate locales? And so our Mishnah, for whatever reason, is recording. Right? What was the uh, intention when people said different things in different locales? That's all. It's not so. It's not so different. And then, therefore, right when when 
and, and therefore, in let's say, Abiosi's locale, there was a distinction between lentils and the fried lentils. Those were considered two different dishes, right? Fine. So Tanya, I know, like like chickpeas and falafel. Just to keeping it so you came back in Israel. So you say, oh, I swear off chickpeas. So that means arbis. I swear off arbis. So you're swearing off those chickpeas. You're not going to have them as shalom zachar. But wait, did you mean falafel? Arbis is not falafel. Those are the two different things. Okay. Tanya. I know you mean a chalav, mutter bakum, minakum, mutter bakalav. So the Bryce says that this Bryce is indicating the chalav and, and whey are two totally different things. If you swear on one, you're mutter in the other. Fine. Now, mina chalav mutter begvina, mina gvina mutter begchalav. And similarly, chalav and gvina are two different things. So if you were to swear one, you'd be mutter in the other. And mitarote, mina rote, mutter bekeepa, mina keepa, mutter rote. We've not seen this distinction yet, but it stands to reason. Those two derivatives mentioned in our Mishnah of meat, the great, namely the gravy and those meat shreds on the bottom, which I, by the way, I love to eat. I like those better than the meat itself, but that's not the point here yet. Nobody cares about what I like, but that is what I like. So the gravy and those shreds are considered two different things. And then it continues to say, And we've said this already. So there is a distinction. If you swear off meat, you typically mean just a piece of meat. But if you say, I swear off this piece, then anything that would fall out of it or ooze out of it would also be usher as well. Furthermore, I know there yain. If you make it edit, you can't drink. Wine, you could still have the wine infused flounder almondine. However, again, as we've said before, the chafsa gavra issue, which is if you don't swear off wine in general, but this specific glass of wine, and then somebody uses it to cook, uh, in the it's going to be usher if you could still taste the yain. Um, I shouldn't say this, but like the Dabr Sheyesh Lamatirin thing, I don't know, I guess it, I, I, I guess it's technically Dabr Sheyesh Lamatirin, just, uh, you know, this run is on our mind, but the fact of the matter is, I don't know, just because you have a uh, mitzvah to be matir this nether, does that make this Dabr Sheyesh Lamatirin? I guess so. I mean, that's what the run says, and that's what everyone believes, but I, I, I don't see, I see a distinction between that and a Beit HaShanol to Beyontif that's, in, that's going to automatically become Mutter. Right here, you may not know there, so maybe you could have argued, gotten rid of the whole Ron, I, or, or, you know, that whole chunk, and argued that, you know, yeah, it's a Dovashesh Lomatir, but you have to go ahead and be Mater than another. Maybe, maybe somebody says that, I don't know. In other words, it doesn't happen automatically. And so, so long as the nether is in effect, maybe it wouldn't be a Dovashesh Maybe it wouldn't be a Dovashesh Lomatir. Anyway, and again, ironically, just just to circle back real quick, ironically, if it's usher to you, it's more likely that it's going to end up being a tyrovis. That's the other part of the run that I didn't point out, which is that there is something called a halachic davashesh lamatirin. In other words, right, davashesh lamatirin turns it into halachically mutter. The taste is of the object is the same, but that would be the sheet of the rabbanon. Uh, based off of the fact that even if the taste uh, is is the same, or more uh, more clearly, the rabbanon are focusing not so much on the taste and no sentam aspect of it, but on the halachic status. Where does this item have the same? If it's more, if it's usher, which is to say, if it's a 
right, if it's not a Dabr Sheish Lamatir, and if it's something that's always going to be Usr, so then it is contrasted more with the mutter thing that it fell into, and there's something called bittel even with respect to halachic bittel, which is saying an usher thing and a mutter thing together could be, can, can be mevutal, as opposed to if it's avasheshul matirin, then it becomes considered something that one day will be mutter, and then once it's mutter, and it falls into something mutter, so then it's min bimino in a halachic sense. And that, again, min bimino is less likely to be bottle because of the reasons we mentioned before. So these are all the concepts, and now you've really gotten a nice flavor, pun intended, of that big old giant Ronan and Basim at Aleph. If it comes up in a cocktail party, you'll, you'll know your stuff, Andrew. Yes. Okay, so now, let's get to the Mishnah. So now, Hanoider Minha Novim. Okay, we talked about related foods, let's go. If you swore off grapes, Mutter Beyayin, you didn't mean wine, you meant grapes. Minha Zaysim, Mutter Beshemin. Okay, so we have these famous things we've seen already in other contexts in Masechah Shabbos that, the, that grapes and zesim and Masechah's brachos, they're meant for this, right? This has implications for what bracha do you make. It has implications for, um, you know, how of, of a schita oozing uh, out of these anavim and zesim, this idea that zesim are for oil and anavim are for uh, wine. And be that as it may, if you swear off one, within the context of Nadarim, then you did not necessarily mean to Aser the other. Good. However, Amar Konam Zesim Banovim Elish any time, but again, pounding this idea over and over again, that if you said, well, anything that comes out of this olive or grape is going to be Aser to me, then Aser Behem be Behem. Then you're going to, of course, be Aser, as we've discussed, with regards to the meat, in regards to all the other issues, you've, you've already ossered on yourself everything, any derivative out of there as well. Fine. So now the Gemara says, Bayi Rami Barchama, there he is, Shir Schmidtman's PhD thesis on Rami Barchama, Elu Dafka, O She'eni Taim Dafka. What he wants to know is as follows. The Mishnah said the statement, Koinam Zesim Vanovim Elu She'eni Toim. Wow, quite a proclamation. These specific zesim and anovim, I'm making another, I can't have them, and I will not taste them. Rabbi Rahama is always very clever, and he wants to know. He made this elaborate statement, which is the key phrase in the statement that turned these anovim and even their derivatives into being usr. Was it the aini time part? Was it elu? What is it that made it usr? What's the key phrase? Says the Gemara, if you're going to say that it's just the phrase elu, and right away the derivatives are going to be usher, so why did you go and say, I'll never taste it? Right? It seems to be using both terms in the Mishnah to teach you that even though, even if he had only said, uh, I'm never going to taste it, sounds like it's Elu. In other words, this guy, right, this is what we do all the time, Andrew, right? We read the Mishnah and we try to make diyukim, right? We try to make inferences. So the Mishnah specifically said, Elu she'eni time. He made like a, a heftza proclamation. I'm not having this cluster of grapes and I don't want to have any taste of it. Well, the Mishnah is using both terms. Using both terms seem, would seem to imply that it, you need both terms and if you only used one of them, it, they would not, the derivatives would not be usr. 
So let's see if that's true or not. So Amar Rabbah, let's look at this. Tashma. Let's look at the following Mishnah that we're going to learn in about five days on Zion. It says the following. Konim peris ha'elu alai. Person makes a nether. I can't have these fruits. Konim hen lefi. Or he said, I'm not going to put these in my mouths. Aser bechilufeinu begidulayim. So he can't even have things, amazingly, if he sold said fruit or exchanged them in the lunchroom for a different fruit, he can't even even have those. So not only can you not have the derivatives, or wait, but the derivatives you can have. Look at this. Habiyotza in mutter. We're trying to learn in that Mishnah a, another inference. If you say that I, let's say, I say I can't have this apple, right? And I said in the Lushan of, this apple I can never have, or I'll never put it in my mouth. And you have an orange, and we're in the lunchroom and we switch. So the Mishnah says, that I can't eat anything that would grow from that apple or anything that I exchange. So I can't even have your orange. That's unbelievable. But the Gemara implies from that, that I, could be, I would be able to drink the apple juice that flows out of it. That's the inference that they want to make from the Mishnah. Yeah, but the Gemara says that's probably not true. Right? It sounds like the apple juice would also be also. After all, I said this apple. And probably every derivative from that apple. Now, in that particular case, I didn't say, right, shani tohim. I just said elu. And, it's, and so we said, oh, maybe just elu could accomplish it, or maybe it can't. In other words, in the Mishnah and Zion, it sounds like when I say elu, I could still have the derivatives. So maybe you need to say shani tohim. Nah, the Gemara says, no, we're not really learning one way or the other from the here, because after all, it could be that in the Mishnah only mentioned elu, Says the Gemara, In other words, this idea, this chiddush that we're going to see in Zion, that I can't even exchange it for your orange, that's the chiddush, and that's what that mission is trying to teach you. But enachinami, you would you would really um, be usher. You would need to have it. It doesn't teach you right anything specific about elu actually ushering. In other words, like this. It could be that just the word elu could have answered both the switching and also the derivatives. Why did the Mishnah not mention that the derivatives are usher? Well, it didn't mention the derivatives because it has a bigger chiddush. That if I even switched it for your orange, it would still be usher. So it didn't need, like, that's what I would have said. I said, if switching it with you, I can't even have your, your orange, of course the apple juice would be usher. And so if that's what, if what I just said, is what the Mishnah meant, that both of them would be Asr, so then you would not need to mention that the derivative is Asr, but indeed they are potentially Asr, uh, but since we don't know for sure, so, and then we don't know what the word Elu in its own right would have accomplished, okay? So Tashma, let's try to learn again. She'eni ochel v'she'eni tohem. Again, the Mishnah below is going to say, this time, instead of Elu, we're isolating this idea of eni ochel v'eni tohem. Says the Mishnah, If I say eni ochel v'eni tohem, uh, so again, you brought an orange for lunch. I brought an apple for lunch. And I say, you know what? I'm making another. I, I, I can't stand this apple. I'm not going to taste it. I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to even taste it. So I could switch with you. I'll just take your orange. That makes sense to me. So the Gemara, you ate some man usser. Maybe that means, maybe that implies that anything I squeeze out of this apple is going to be usser. It's only this, the switching with you that's mutter. And therefore, maybe we would imply that the phrase any time is enough to make the derivatives of Zasar. And the Gemara answers that it did before. I did the lo nasiv 
Nami b'seifa yatsamein. In other words, it leaves it out, and but you can't make an inference because it's still possible to say that when you said right v'sheini toim, right, it's not it's not making it usher. It's simply right. You're not going to make any any inference to say that oh yotzimim usher. Maybe yotzimim is also going to be uh, mutter. You can't make an inference one way or the other. The only halacha that we're actually discussing here is whether we be able to switch it. Fine. So now another attempt. Tashma. I'm Okay. So this is going back to this case that Rabbi Yehuda quoted. The aforementioned Rabbi Tarfon, who didn't allow, who considered the eggs in the chon to be to be fleshiks. What's going on here? And when a person swore off fleshiks, he can't even have that egg that was cooked with it. So Amrullah, they said to him, a Masai. And as we said before, we asked him, what's the context? Remember we said that? Now remember, he said, and he didn't say, um, he didn't say, again, the whole question that we're asking here is, which of these phrases make it usher? When you say this specific piece of meat, and I will not taste it, do you need to say both phrases or just one? Well, in the case of Rabbi Tarfan, you only said one of them. You only said buses a lie. You didn't mention the any toim. And yet we said, And we said that it's usr. And, and so we made the derivative usr, even though we only said buser zealai. So says the Gemara. So it's clearly that should make it usr. Okay? So says the Gemara. Uh, yeah, that, that actually could make some sense. That might be actually instructive because right? we say that certainly is we have no question. That actually would work. In other words, this whole thing of always works. You say, I am never going to have anything that comes out of this Perrier bottle. So it doesn't matter how much derivative and what it seeps into. That's all going to be usher because I ushered anything that touches this thing. That everyone would agree. The only question is, any time. That was really the Shaila. If you say, I'm never going to taste this. So wait, maybe that would only depend on whether I end up tasting it. You know what I'm saying, Matt? Dafka or lav dafka? What's sheni toim? Says the Gemara. Tashma. Let's resolve that question. Dog dogim sheni toim. I'm not going to have any fishies. Also, behem ben gedolim bekatalim. Where you get to be also whether it's a big or a small fish. Ben bechayim ben mibushalim. Savichi, saviche, or cooked. Umutter betaris trufa betzir. But you can have still the the gefilte fish and the brine. Oh. So that sounds like even though it comes out of the fish, that, that derivative would be mutter, even though you said she'eni toim. Ah, so now it sounds like she'eni toim itself wouldn't work. So, now, that maybe wouldn't be a proof because it all depends. If that stuff was still inside the fish and then oozed out, maybe it would be usher. In that particular case, uh, then maybe it would be uh, usher, maybe it would be mutter, we don't know. When did you make this nether? But did you make the nether when it was in the gefilte fish jar separated already? Because if then, then you made it usher to you. But if it was not, Right, so then maybe it's not a separate entity and therefore be mutter, and therefore the toim is not conclusive. But when you say this specific thing is usr, that we conclusively could say that and its derivative would also be usr. We'll continue on Shabbos on the top in the mission on top of Nun Gimel, Amud Aleph Bezrat Hashem.